Hey guys, welcome to episode one of the Soul Path Podcast. This is a season of integration. It's a mini season that we're doing and we're kicking this one off with a good friend of mine. I've known her for over half a decade now. Her name is Francisca. She's an individual who has a background in personal development, coaching, consulting, and then ended up taking her journey from that realm into the world of ceremony, indigenous plant medicines, animal medicines. And on the theme of integration, we discuss how her journey led her to start a non-for-profit foundation, supporting indigenous tribes around Brazil and the Amazon and preserving their cultures, their medicines and everything that they have to offer to humanity. So I look forward to sharing this all with you. Check it out. Let me know what you think in the comments and enjoy. And we're live. Welcome to the Integration Manifesto podcast. It's Marco, your host here. And on the call today, I've got Francisca. Welcome to the call. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and having these important conversations. I'm really, like I just mentioned, very excited to hear more about that topic. Yeah, of course. What I'd love to do to start is before we jump into any of the deeper questions, do you want to share maybe just what you've been up to in the last six months, uh, what you're working on, where your work is taking you? Yeah, I love that. Um, maybe a little bit further. Um, the last 12 months have been a huge, huge year in general. Um, I've been working with this indigenous tribe in Brazil very closely for the last few years. And just last year, we founded our nonprofit organization together with the chief of the, of the tribe of the village that I work with. And that has been, you know, taken off ever since. So it's all about the Amazon, the rainforest mm-hmm. in Brazil, the converse, uh, like uh, protection Incredible. and preservation, um, you know, of the land, um, but also very much about the indigenous people who live there and the wisdom yeah. that they carry, you know, about the the forest itself, the harmony, the nature, um, the different like millions and billions of plants that can cure so many, you know, diseases that we are facing today. So that's a lot of my focus, a lot of fundraising, a lot of um, projects to raise awareness, but also a very, very deep work, you know, with people one-on-one as well as in a group setting of, of journeying to the Amazon so mm-hmm. that we can remember how to connect deeper with ourselves and nature as well, you know. I'd love to ask like, on that topic of connecting deeper to ourselves and nature, a little bit about your background and like how you found yourself to be where you are today. Mm, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I think always when you look back, ideally that's when you can see how everything is falling into place, you know, and step by step um, you're on a journey. For then when you look back, it starts to make sense. But while you're in it, you're like, I don't know, you know, sometimes a little <laughs> confused with it all. Yeah. Um, so for me, the journey, the, the call to the Amazon actually already started when I was 19. I really wanted to go and explore um, the different tribes that live there and the different modalities that they work with. But then it took me a few years to actually, when we kind of met also in Australia, mm-hmm. um, six years ago or seven years ago when I really dove deep into the whole self-development industry, you know, and I did a lot of trainings and courses and certifications and all sorts of coaching and healing modalities triggered through my own healing journey, I guess, but also very much programmed in a positive way by the way I grew up. My mom has been um, a coach and consultant from when I was 12 years old. So, you know, that's been already been very present in my life. So it wasn't a surprise that I was going down that path as well. And then a little later, really connecting deep with all sorts of alternative medicines from the Amazon Mm -hmm. and these ancient cultures from there. Um, 
and spending a lot of time, you know, studying and learning and then bringing both worlds together, you know, those of the ancient teachings and those of the modern day mindset work and self-development work. Um, and that kind of then became what I'm doing now for the last few years, which is building that bridge, you know, for Western people to find that healing and deeper sense and deeper connection with themselves in that setting in the Amazon, but also helping them to integrate these experiences and also prepare them for what they might encounter there, you know, which can be really deep and very life-changing for many people so that they have a safe and strong container where they can um, let go and heal and reflect and take time off, you know, and just really feel nurtured and held um, in that space that they go through. You use the words, um, you're know, bridging people into this world over there. The big thing that, that I speak about with the people on this podcast is not necessarily just the integration of what's happening after people go through a deep transformational experience, but also the lead up to it and how the, they mm-hmm. can best prepare. It's beautiful to hear that you have, like in your journey, you had this foundation of like personal development and different mm-hmm. courses that would have given you some structure in terms of your mental and emotional landscapes and, and how you work through those. But given your experience now and the work that you've done in taking people to the Amazon, what have you found to be most useful for people that are thinking about doing some kind of deep transformational work like that? Really the preparation, you know, really um, connecting with them beforehand, before they are going into an experience that can be highly life-changing, mm-hmm. like to a really big extent life-changing, um, and already prepare them in a sense of what can happen. And also much more than that, we take them through a process, you know, where we already look at all different areas in life before we even go there. because. You know, I believe many times we actually know what we don't want in our life anymore, mm-hmm. but we never really ask ourselves the question, well, what do I want instead? Um, so that's kind of where we try to shift the mindset towards to already. But even more, more so, what I found in my personal journey and also with the, with the clients and people I work with is that most of the times we are scared of change. You mm-hmm. know, so at times we spend years of not looking at certain areas because we are too scared of what could happen or the worst case mm-hmm. scenario. Um, so the process that we take them through beforehand is what I call a reality check, mm-hmm. you know, to be realistically honest, like brutally honest with ourselves and look at all areas and see what's not working, you know, where we might be out of alignment, where we might have to reflect and also take action towards change. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that can be all different areas. You know, for some people it might be health. Maybe they've been dragging themselves along for a few years, you know, without being really as healthy as they can be. Maybe it's relationships, you know, maybe it's money. The finances have been like really bad for years, but we don't dare to look at it because that means we might have to, you know, open a savings account or actually take over full responsibility sure. for these areas as well. So that's the that's what I call the preparation, like the reality check, you know, to become conscious what's already bubbling in the unconscious, so that we can already allow and our like the, ourselves to be present with that and invite change and healing into these areas and self love, you know, and it's already starting to practice self love to see, all right, this is not working, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm not lovable. I'm a bad human being. You know, yeah. it actually just means that I now can see 
the things that were in the shadow before and I can start loving them anyway so I can change them gently. You mentioned, you know, asking the question of what does one want? Like what, what, what do they want, want to receive or create as a result mm-hmm. of the work that they do? So, you know, I found oftentimes like when people are early on in their journey, whether it's clients or people that I meet at an event that I might be speaking at, and I ask them that question, what do you want? Because they might mm-hmm. spend five, 10 minutes telling me about all the things happening in their life that aren't so mm-hmm. nice and that they don't really enjoy. And then I'll ask that question. And oftentimes they can't, they can't answer it. Do you find it to be similar? Yeah, very much. Because we are not trained that way. When people do find it challenging with that, what are the prompts that you might offer someone that's perhaps listening to this that says, mm. I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't mm-hmm. want. And so how do I figure out what I want? Figuring out what you don't want is the first step. That, that's, that's, that's already a good heads up. And then if the next step of actually finding the answers of what do I want doesn't come immediately that's fine you know that can be a process of days and weeks and months because we don't learn to ask ourselves the questions we don't learn to allow ourselves to listen to our dreams you know which initially Mm -hmm. i believe is our soul coming through um through and into the mind so what i do is i have them close their eyes you know and put hand on the heart and just breathe for a moment and first of all being okay with maybe not knowing right now what it is that they want which is the acceptance and when we accept then we can let go and shift um, and then most likely I would take them on a on a journey you know on a guided meditation where I bring them in a very relaxed state through breathing and different visualizations and then create a space where they actually allow themselves to dream where they actually are still, where the mind becomes still so that they can listen to their soul communicating with them. You know, because we all know it's all within us. There is no one who doesn't know. It's just the, the noises and the distractions from the outside and in here in the mind that is louder than, and than the voice of our heart. But we all have it. So it's just a matter of creating the space and a safe space for them to dive into that and and start listening to it. And that can take a moment or two to, to happen, you know. I love how reaffirming it is uh, you know, for individuals to know that, that it is there and it's just about silencing yeah, the, the mind. Absolutely. I, I, I really appreciate the way that you expressed it like so, so simply, you know, the noises and distractions up there not allowing us to hear, hear or being louder mm. than, than the heart. I'd love to know, Francisco, how would you define the word integration when it comes to this kind of work? Mm-hmm. I almost rather substitute it with embodiment okay um which i think is the process of integration as well and any experience we have that is transformative you know no matter in which modality we talk about that we might participate in many many different paths that we can follow different events that bring transformation in our lives but normally what happens when we have a transformative experience no matter how it comes to happen, um, we change a lot really quickly. You know, we learn a lot in a very short period of time so that our belief system changes really quickly or maybe challenge so that we actually don't know for a moment what we actually believe. A lot of healing might take place in a really short moment. So energetically, there is a lot of change happening as well. And then we release a lot in a short period of time also. So then when we come out of the experience, whatever the experience is, there can be a little identity crisis, 
you know, because we identify ourselves with all the stories that we grew up with, that we kept telling ourselves in the last years and maybe even decades um, about who we are, about who we want to be, about our pain, about our suffering and struggle. And then through a transformative experience, that might not be there anymore. So you come out of it and you're like, well, you know, what now? So then that's where I believe the integration is the essential part and at least 50% of the work after um, the trigger of the transformation to reaffirm that new version of yourself and allow yourself for, you know, whatever you release, whatever new teachings and learnings you received to be settling down in your being and also like consistently through body work, you know, movement, release these old stagnant energies out of your cellular memory as much as training your mindset as well to continue to see these new beliefs and not get caught up in the old story again. So why for me, the integration is like an essential part of the work I do is because when we come out of the Amazon within these nine days that we are in the tribe, in the village, there's like so much that happens there. You know, you're literally shedding layer and layer and layer in a very, very short period of time. And while you're going through these highly transformative experiences, you know in that moment that the healing happened in that short moment, an instant of a time. And you get reaffirmed because the people around you have the same experience and not the same experience, but also experience deep healing and deep change, you know? So you know in your heart that that's the truth. You know that that happened. So then when we come back home, many times people, you know, go back into their job, go back to uh, a busy city, you know, away from pure nature, like where we go, there's no electricity, you know, we shower in the river, it's very basic. So it's like a complete reset on the nervous system, on the body and everything. And then you come back and you're like, whoa, <laughs> what just happened? Right. Um, you know, and people come back into their old environment. You know, they come back into the same job, the same apartment, the same relationship, um, the same environment just in general. So then what can happen, doesn't have to, but what can happen is that they're like, oh, wow, well, my life is still the same. And then they start doubting the experience and the healing that they experienced before. Mm -hmm. And this is where the integration is crucial to then teach your unconscious mind um, the reaffirmation of what you experience so it can integrate smoothly into your being um, because otherwise you just go back into these old patterns, right? Because you think you're still in the old version of your life. But what we then miss is the point that when we change so quickly, through a transformative experience mm -hmm. that we change our entire inner world, but it takes a moment or two for the universe, you know, to manifest that change in your outer world as well. Yeah. And that's what I call the integration to find the trust that whatever changed will also change in the, in your outer experience. It just takes a moment or two, you know, yeah. so then through, conscious meditation and all these things, you know, the integration can go a bit smoother until this new version is fully embodied in ourselves and we can see it in the outside world as well. Incredible. You said it like so, so simply that I feel like it might be missed. I love if you could speak to just a little bit more those moments where you know, people might have a significant shift in their experience in a journey and then they go back to life 
and things seem like they haven't changed. Can you just speak to that a little bit more and maybe explain mm -hmm. um, in yeah. a little more detail what you mean by that? Absolutely. So, for example, you know, let's say we are in the jungle. We have um, a fair bit of very strong experiences there where we become fully conscious of old patterns. Let's say, you know, you heal a strong pattern about relationships, no matter if you're a man or a woman. Let's say you've been um, single for a few years and then through this transformative experience, you can see of why your relationships have not been the way you would like them to be, right? And you, you mm -hmm. see it all, you understand it all, you heal it, you release it, and you invite a whole lot more love and kindness into your being. So then you're very excited. You're like, I finally got it, right? Finally figured out what has been not working the whole time. Mm -hmm. So then I come home and there's my partner and it's like, well, it's still the same relationship. But because we experience this highly transformative experience, we kind of expect miracles happen. And they can, don't get me wrong, they can. Mm -hmm. um, but we kind of expect that we then come home and everything is automatically changed as well. And this is where I'm saying, this is where it takes time for the change that happened inside ourselves through action and integration to then shift in the outside world as well. So when I then learned, you know, to be kinder and to be more trusting and whatever, then I can actively change that relationship mm -hmm. with the person that it's about, for example, or parents, you know, your mom, your dad, whatever you've been working on and healing and transforming, but it takes a moment because, you know, the way manifestation and creation works is that everything we perceive outside ourselves is just a mirror of what's happening inside ourselves mm. so then when we start to change heal and transform our inner world um you said inner landscape i really like that word also then automatically we attract different outcomes in our external landscape mm. but for that to happen can happen instantly i do believe that but 99 percent it takes a certain amount of time for your outer world to realign to your new inner landscape, for that then to be mirrored back um, in the external experience. What's the importance of once someone's out of that and they're waiting for that, say they fall into the category of the 90% of people or situations where it doesn't happen instantaneously, but it takes a little bit of time. What are the important things for them to stay reminded of or to be doing mm -hmm. to support and mm -hmm. facilitate this new manifestation in their lives yeah so we have a few things we do one big thing is what i love um we at the end of our retreats we write letters to the future versions of ourselves so you know on the last day or the day before we take a lot of time where when moments of doubt might be coming in the future we write to that future version of ourselves about the experience and the healing we happened and what we would need to hear in that moment that doubt might creep in. I do it myself every time I go by myself also. And I would write, you know, um, to myself and just reaffirm that all the blissful healing that I experience is real. And just because I'm not in the jungle anymore, it is still as real as the experience um, in that moment in time and even though that it might feel very overwhelming in the world out here to keep reminding myself that that's an illusion 
that these are just emotions, um, but it's not me. My true essence is love and unconditional love and everything around me is true. And I'm always supported and provided by the universe and protected. And even though I've forgotten, forgotten in that moment that I'm doubting in the future, it still is my deepest truth. So that could be an example, you know, we write letters to reaffirm that that really did happen, that it wasn't just a dream, um, that it is more real what we experience in the jungle than anything we experience in this world, most likely. Um, The other thing is what we do, what I have is a meditation Mm -hmm. that we do, um, that I guide my clients through, but then also have, a recording that they can constantly listen to after where we um, relax the nervous system, you know, because that many times when healing happens, everything gets stood up, you know, mm. and you're like buzzing, like, Whoa, what's happening. So then it's really important to calm everything down so it can integrate smoothly. So that's something we do um, very much is to work with the nervous system and to still, even when we come back, and I'm not in the jungle anymore through hypnosis and meditation to release, you know, the last bits and pieces of old energies out of our, our cellular memory, out of the skin, out of the bones, out of the organs through meditation and affirmations, as well as journeying back into the moment where the healing happened to keep that memory as alive as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the more, I don't just remember with my mind, but remember with my heart, the feeling that I experience in the moment of the healing. Mm-hmm. And the more I repeat it and make it present in this moment, the easier um, this realignment that I talked before from our inner world to the outer world, the smoother and the faster it will happen. Because the more I'm in that vibration, in that energy of that new version of me that I created through the healing, the easier your life can realign into that new vibration. So these are the two ways. And the third way is uh, group, group conversations, bringing the group together uh, a few times after the retreats, because then, you know, then they see each other again, they hear their voices again, which are anchored for them in that experience. And then they are like, oh yeah, right. It was real because these people are real and they're still with me and I have an amazing support network around me, people that also go through a lot, maybe even after, and they are just as human as I am. And it's okay where I am right now, um, which then makes the whole experience more real. I'd love to shift gears now and speak about something that you mentioned you're interested to speak about being um, integrity in the community and neo-shamanism. Can you uh, talk to us about that? Absolutely. I mean, it's something that is very, very important for me in the work I do. Um, since I work with an indigenous tribe and only work with indigenous tribes, you know, it's something when you are working in this field of expertise that brings so much transformation and so much healing in such a short period of time that people very quickly devote themselves to these modalities. And then from most of the time, I believe from a really good and pure intention of their heart, want to be of service and help and forget that there is a whole lot of training that these indigenous people go through many, many years, you know, it takes a lot lot, lot for them to even facilitate any form of ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what I see a lot in the Western world is, you know, because we are so blown away by the potential 
um, through these from these experiences that we want to do the same and share the same healing with people also but we are a few steps ahead of where we are actually at and then don't really understand that there is many forms of being of service you know being of service doesn't mean that i have to facilitate any form of ceremony there can be many ways that i can be of service to these indigenous um, technologies and this is where where i see it's it's tricky you know where uh, can be dangerous people um, holding ceremonies facilitating ceremonies when they are not trained well you know you open up to worlds that we barely have an idea of still you know me still years and years and years and i'm like that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole different universe that opens up in these grounds mm. you know um so that's something that is really important for me that i'm having a very strong opinion about i know i'm very aware of that and you know it can be triggering at times for people for sure that's where i'm saying the integrity you know we don't know what we don't know and like i said many times there's a good intention behind it but it's really checking in with yourself of where you're at and if you are ready to facilitate any form of ceremony in combination mm -hmm. with such powerful transformative modalities like that because you know not that it's anything less it's just as amazing and beautiful but it's not like a sound bath or something you know where yeah. you might hit the wrong tone and you know it doesn't sound nice but if you're not capable of facilitating a safe and sacred space and container, you can really um, put people in a really, really bad state. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying, integrity. And also, you know, I believe if we work with these modalities that do origin in the Amazon, at least the ones, you know, that I'm um, in relationship with, come from all over the world, I'm just, you know, talking about my field of expertise, and I'm sharing these and I am trained mm. then I and I make money and you know I might be really really doing well then I believe it's also an integrity to give back you know mm. to give thanks and credit to to the origin and to the people um, where where these modalities come from and that's missing a lot um, to be honest or you know people um, sharing prayers very strong songs and prayers without having studied with any um, indigenous tribe really about any of that and that is tricky in a way because it is a form of prayer um, and it, it takes a certain um, amount of studying and deepening you know the connection with these prayers and if then shared in even like wrong lyrics or anything it can take away from the healing potential of this prayer of the vibration of the songs mm -hmm. of the music you know so this all for me is what I mean with integrity and you know where I come from a very very loving space to to create awareness and be like hey you know I think you have a beautiful heart and I know you have a good intention and are you open to try on to see things from this perspective maybe as well you know mm. so that it can be deeper grounded in the work itself thanks for speaking to that I'm curious what your like, suggestion would be for people that are trying to filter through and find an appropriate person to, to work with, mm. how would they go about doing that? Asking questions, I believe. Um, what kind can of questions? Help a lot to ask the facilitator or the space, the people wherever they are participating about their experience. You know, who are they? 
What's their experience? How long have they been doing that? Have they been training with any indigenous tribes and healers and leaders? And, um, you know, where does the medicine come from? What's their support network like? I have many people that come because they're looking for really deep healing. So at times, you know, there's trauma revealed in the work we do that's been suppressed their entire life about sexual abuse by their own family members, something like that, you know, so that, you know, if something that that kind of depth comes up through that work, what's my support network after? Is there someone I can reach out to or would I be, you know, on my own, uh, which ideally you shouldn't, you know, these kind of questions, just being responsible, really taking a responsibility for your own safety. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe is uh, the minimum and the first step that should always be given. And if anyone is not open to answering these questions, you know, that's already a good sign for you to dig deeper and ask yourself if this is the right environment you want to have that experience in. There was another thing that you mentioned you're interested in speaking about, and that was the misuse of some of these medicines. Curious if we could open up that conversation for a bit. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think, you know, it's the same everywhere. Like there is misuse with everything that's good if not used and balanced. And that's, that's already the main aspect of it is the balance. Mm. Like with everything else, you know, I don't think um, it's, there is anything wrong about eating something sweet every now and then, you know, but if you have it every day, then it's overused and you won't become healthy from that. And it's the same with plant medicine also. It's healthy as long as you're using it as a healing modality. But if it becomes an instrument to distract yourself from the reality you're living in and you're looking for one high after another, then that's abuse. And it can be um, with anything. Like I said, it doesn't just have to be in these ceremonies themselves, you know. But what I see a fair bit happening is people going to these kind of gatherings every weekend or even like every second weekend and i'm the last person who's judging anyone's healing journey you know if you deeply feel in your heart this is your mm -hmm. journey i i trust that calling and if that journey is going on over months and months and months and you're still in the same space in your life and you can't really see change then that in my opinion is an abuse of these very highly transformative medicines um, because it's not just about the blissful state that we might, may experience. The work comes after of recreating that experience in our everyday life, right? So right. if, you know, I receive healing and learnings and teachings of oneness and community and connection, which many times the container gives, you know, because very, like a lot of like-minded people come together and I feel held and nurtured in all of it, then it's not about running back the next weekend to have that experience again, but about the integration and asking myself, how can I recreate that experience in my everyday life so that my everyday life becomes my ceremony? Yeah. You know, and I become more and more independent of having to experience these states of being by consuming whatever it is, really. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying, you know, maybe not abuse, but also a misunderstanding, you know, and not yeah. knowing because there is not enough awareness and not enough teaching, I believe, 
about that so people you know i hear people say oh you know i just go once a month so i can fuel up again or i can reconnect again and i'm like yeah and how would your life be if you didn't have to you know like what would be different and what can you do right now so you can find that connection first and foremost with yourself but also with the people around you and how can you create that in your everyday life outside having to consume any substance in that sense you know and that brings me to an interesting question that i've asked a couple of times when i've interviewed people and that is is there such a thing as doing too much work and Mm. if there is what would be some of the signs to be aware of i love that question and i have a story about that because i believe it can become an addiction in itself absolutely And I've experienced it myself, which Mm. is why I do believe that there can be something as too much work. I had a beautiful moment where I realized that many, many years ago, where, you know, like with most of the things, when you get into something new and you see it benefits, you get really excited about it. Mm. And of course you want to do more because you can tell, you know, it feels really good and it helps you and it changes your life to the full for the better and you benefit from it. And even maybe the people around you benefit from you doing so much work. So then you continue to do it. And I saw myself uh, how, you know, I would go from one and it's the same seminar or ceremony, you know, people mm-hmm. run from seminar and workshop and workshop and workshop because, you know, they feel good. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel confident. They connect with people. But then it's the same question. How can I have that experience more often in my everyday life so I don't have to run into the next workshop the next time? Yeah. But what, just coming back to the experience I wanted, the story I wanted to share was that then I realized that what that was doing for me or what I was more doing to me was that unconsciously I was teaching my unconscious mind that I'm not enough. And so I had to... I thought I had to go to the next workshop and the next workshop and the next training and the next seminar to mm-hmm. heal more, do more, be more, be more because I thought I wasn't enough the way I was back then. So mm-hmm. I was teaching myself that I'm not enough and I have to become someone else in order to be enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then it becomes an, addict, an addiction, really, you know. Um, and I figured, hold on, you know, take a breath, breathe for a moment, pause, have a break, and actually practice self-love, which is what all these workshops and ceremonies initially are meant to teach you, is self-love, to love yourself exactly where you're at right now, no matter how fucked up you know your life looks like right now or how much a mess you think you are Mm -hmm. love yourself for that also because it's so easy you know for loving ourselves for the big achievements that we do you know Mm -hmm. like loving myself for supporting the amazon like that's rather easy but loving myself for when i'm having a really bad day and I've been really bitchy to, you know, my partner or my best friend and to love myself still, that's all a different story. Mm. So then it's about becoming whole and enough for who you are and where you're at in this moment right now and not having to run to the next uh, transformative experience. And of course, you know, if you feel in your heart that there is another layer to be shed, 
you know, and you implemented and integrated and embodied the last experience, workshop, training, retreat, whatever it was. And you feel like, all right, now I actually lived and practiced what I learned, you know, and now it's time to grow more, to learn more, mm -hmm. then go for it. But otherwise, it's again, the nervous system again, you know, otherwise, if we continue to go to these experiences, whatever they are, and never allow the experience to settle and to integrate, we're just frying our nervous system. Because our physical body can't catch up with the healing work we do as much as the emotional and spiritual release we experience. The physical body needs time to go through the healing itself also. And typically, normally, the physical body takes longer than the instant healing that happens energetically in the spiritual realm. So it's about, you know, being gentle with ourselves and kind and compassionate and drinking a lot of green juice and moving <laughs> our body, you know, and, and having the healing on all levels yeah. and not just in, internally. Yeah, we've covered quite a bit, yeah, in terms of the way that people can approach this work and what's valuable for them to do on a personal level to make sure that it can be integrated effectively. But on this conversation of integration and embodiment, as you mentioned, is there anything that we haven't covered that you feel is important or like a conversation that you might frequently have or even something that's just on your heart right now that you feel is valuable mm. for, for the listeners to tune into? I think one thing that I wish I had known many years ago when I first started on this journey <laughs> is that it also gets to be really, really playful and to be yeah. fun you know to learn more about yourself to not take yourself too seriously and even you know if there is pain and things do feel painful and that feels really real like don't get me wrong you know like that mm -hmm. gets pretty intense at times to never forget to laugh about yourself at the same time and to laugh with the universe you know and be like oh my god i can't believe i just took myself so serious again and it feels so serious but actually life is really beautiful at the same time and what a blessing yeah. to have this broad spectrum of emotions that we get to experience. And rather than being hard on myself for what I feel and how I feel, rather becoming curious about it and be like, oh, wow, that's a whole different level of emotions. I didn't know that's also possible, you know, like hold on a moment and bring playfulness into the work mm -hmm. and the self-development industry. I think that's the highest transformation that we can experience, you know, because then it's all about being human and being human together and all being messed up in our own beautiful way and being messed up together. So then we can love each other more and ourselves more and be more compassionate about it all and trust and see that everyone is just doing their best, you know, from wherever they come from. I think that is super, super important. And that's something I wish I had figured out you know, a long time ago and before that it also gets to be really, really smooth and playful and joyful and hilarious if you do it together with other people. I love that. And I think you're the first person so far that's mentioned that from the few interviews that I've done. So thank you for mm -hmm. bringing, bringing something new and something playful like that uh, to the conversation. We're kind of coming up to the end here. Before we send you off and we say thanks, I just want to give you an opportunity. If people are curious to know more about you, find out about the work that you're doing in the, in the retreats that you do, where can they you. reach you? Easiest is on uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram with my very not easy name, <laughs> Francisca <laughs> Freitag, um, or on my website, which is the same, my whole name, franciscafreitag.de. And um, there you find anything about the retreats, you know, the work, 
um, the integration work, the coaching work and all these beautiful things. And if there is anyone interested in how to support the Amazon and the indigenous tribes um, with the nonprofit that we run, we also on Facebook and Instagram and on our website, which is the Floresta Association. Uh, beautiful thank you so much for that i'm going to back that as well and just say you know if you are listening and you you uh have in any way a connection to the amazon and you want to support it then um i fully back francisca and everything that she's working on so check it out contribute if you're in a position to contribute or maybe just share it and give it some love on social media francisca thank you so much uh, this has thank been inc- incredible you shared with us uh a mountain of wisdom and information, which I'm sure I know I've had a few re- really cool insights for myself. So I'm sure the listeners will, will uh-huh. get some really nice ones too. And so like that, I want to say thank you. I love you and the work that you're doing and um, keep doing it. Cause it's really, really cool to see someone who's willing to speak up and to say mm-hmm. that like this stuff isn't cool and we've got to be more aware about what we're doing and mm-hmm. do it in, in an intelligent way like that. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you, Marco. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited to listen to the other episodes that you be handing out very soon and everything you're doing also. I think it's super important. And thank you for your kind words. Much love. So that's the guys episode one done and dusted. I'd appreciate any comments and feedback. And also if you know anyone that could benefit from this, then please share it with them because I'd love to spread the word about our podcast. Enjoy.